This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. Today we're going to be talking about the love of God and how the love that we have for God should be the driving force behind and for our dreams. And so we've called this love-driven dreams, and I think it'll make sense, but I want to give you some context. You can go back and get more context from previous messages. Uh, But Abraham is who we're talking about from Genesis chapter 16 through Genesis 21. Those are the uh, five chapters that we're going to be covering today, just uh, kind of an overview, a 30,000-foot view from uh, those. But I want to tell you that he's moved south some. And last week he was in northern Israel, kind of Syria, uh, near Damascus, okay? Now uh, it's, it's about 10 years later, and I think we, have, we might have a map of where he's at. Uh, he's kind of near the bottom of the Dead Sea. Uh, and so uh, Sodom and Gomorrah are the, it would be the, um, uh, the blue pin, uh, the red pin being the Dead Sea. He, he would be closer to Jericho, if you can see, kind of right below where Jericho is, <clears throat> Hebron. Uh, is the area that they believe this uh, took place. And really where we're going to camp out for most of the message today is the 12 months, the three chapters of the 12 months prior to when he has Isaac. So the Bible slows way down and says, hey, this is what was leading up to the fruition of his God-given dream. And and I want you to know that that a dream is not something that is, is just for hype. Um, and so this is not a hype series. This is not a series to, to get you, you know, just, oh, yeah, you know, I need to go write down some goals. This is a series to really change our perspective. Um, I, I had a couple of the kids, you know, who, who aren't in here on Sundays. They're over in the kids team, and we have a crazy awesome kids team, and uh, Pastor Joe and several others uh, help, and, and, and I'm just so grateful for it. But a couple of them were saying, um, you know, hey, since you're talking about dreaming in big church, let me tell you the dream I had last night. And I'm like, well, that's not the type of dream we're talking about. I'm glad you had a good dream last night, but we're, we're talking about a God-given vision for our lives. And, and I thought it was funny, there was a kid uh, that was uh, talking about uh, his, his dream and, and, and how he, uh, he, or the lack thereof in a, in a night's sleep. I, I had this clip that someone sent me. I wanted to show it to you guys. So did you sleep pretty good last night? You dream about anything? Nope. I, I have to get my deep sleep for that. I didn't go in my deep sleep. You didn't go in your deep sleep? Uh-huh. Why not? Daddy took the covers off of me. And I said, Ooh, why does Daddy got to take my covers? You did? Uh-huh. Well, one night y'all took me. The cover off of me a little bit, then I pulled it back, then I took it off of y'all, because you took it off of me, and I took it back off of y'all. That's not too nice. Well, sometimes a kid has to do what a kid has to do, that's all. Sometimes a kid just has to do what he has to do. Uh, we're going to see in this passage where uh, Abraham and Sarah were, were feeling like they had to do what they had to do. Uh, that they had to take matters into their own hands. 
And I will tell you that, that there are always going to be times where we're tempted to take the matters of our dream into our own hands and feel like, you know what, God, you're not moving, so I'm going to start moving. So there's this balance between our personal responsibility and the vision, the, the responsibility God has to fulfill that God-given dream and that God-given vision. So I want to just embrace that tension for a few moments and talk about our motives and talk about the fact that, that when we don't feel like God is working, he still is. And so in order to do that, in order to kind of get that tension, I, I want you to understand where God was taking them and then where they were. And I want to talk the rest of the time with the in-between. So let's look at where God was taking them. Okay, so we've been talking about this dream that he was having. He's going to have a kid. He's going to have a kid. He's going to have a kid. Let's read when they actually have the kid uh, in uh, chapter 21 of Genesis. Uh, it says in verse 1, the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. By the way, God always keeps his word. And the Lord had, did to Sarah as he had spoken. The Lord, uh, for Sarah conceived and bare Abraham his son, his old age. At the set time. Did you know God's always on time? God is always on time. And you might be waiting for a dream to come to fruition. You might be waiting for God to do something. But I just want to remind you that God's always on time. And Abraham called his name, uh, the name of his son who was born unto him uh, through Sarah, Isaac. And, uh, and, and Abraham, verse 5, was 100 years old. And so God had a plan. God had a purpose. But God was testing their motive. And, and it's always our motive that matters in dreaming. Why? Because wrong motives will always delay our dreams and our destinies. Wrong motives. And, and let me just point this out, that, that Abraham's about to make one of the business, biggest mistakes of his life in his relationship with Hagar. By the way, let me point this out. Ishmael was not a mistake. I've heard pastors say that. No, the moment a, a, a woman is pregnant, that's not a mistake at all. That's a God-given gift, right? So Ishmael is not a mistake. You say, well, we have, you know, all of our wars are basically because of Ishmael and Isaac and the, and the, and the war between them. I get that, but, but, but let me just say this. The, the initial relationship that Abraham had with someone who was not his wife, that was what was wrong. And so that was what caused, and you can go out and study it, a 14-year delay in God fulfilling his, his God-given dream. Isn't that interesting? And so what we just read could have happened 14 years prior, but Abraham decided a man's got to do what a man's got to do. I just have to take matters into my own hands. And so the motives always matter when dreaming big because it, they are the reason why we'll dream, and it determines whether or not we're actually going to reach for it. Did you know if you have a wrong motive when you dream a dream or you, when you write down a goal or when you have an aspiration or a dream, when, when you have a wrong motive, you only have a little bit of energy to cast toward that dream, but when you have love in your heart for what God has placed, when it's a God-given dream, a God-sized dream, listen, he's going to give you all the power, and the power that he gives you is grace, but to access that grace, it's not through rules. It's not through a legalistic list of what you can and cannot do. Guess what it is? It's love. Love, and here's a key thought as we begin. Love is the greatest motivator to reach for our dreams. It's the greatest motivator. 
And, and, and listen, if you're living the Christian life because someone thinks, because you think you have to, or because you think terrible things are going to happen, you know, you, you, you'll get kicked off the karma bus, as I heard someone say yesterday. Listen, all of that is, is just your own effort, your own ability to understand the world around you. But man, when things are driven by love, everything else changes. All right? Now, there are two types of love. And, the, and, and they show us two types of dreams. Let's look at that today, okay? Two types of loves that drive two types of dreams. Number one, let's look at the first type, type of love. Number one, self-love distorts God's given dream. Now, I didn't say self-care. Listen, God doesn't want you know, you to throw your, your, yourself away uh, because of a dream. We'll talk about that. But self-love, being self-focused, being, being the, the center of your dream. Uh, that distorts a God-given dream. How? Letter A, self-love misuses people in order to push for progress. It misuses people. And, and let me just say, God will never lead you to mislead or misuse people or even yourself in order to fulfill a God-given dream. He will never do that. And sometimes we feel like, well, I got to, you know, I, I got to guilt these people into doing what I, no, uh, you know, well, well, if, if I don't get angry, nothing's going to happen. No, God will happen. Like he can lead you. And so here's what's happened. Last week, God displayed his power in a great and mighty way. You guys remember that? Okay, so if you didn't, if you weren't here last week, log on after this and, and hear about the power of God coming down. The presence of God was on display and then wait. And then crickets, and then nothing. And finally, Sarah comes to Abraham in chapter 16. Look in your notes or in your Bibles. Chapter 16, uh, I'm in uh, Genesis 16, 1. It says, now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. God showed up, but no children had showed up. God showed up, but the dream still had, wasn't a reality. And, and but she did have a handmaid from, each, from when they were in Egypt, verse 1. And the handmaid's name was Hagar. Skip down to verse number three. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her handmaid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt 10 years in Canaan. So now we know Abram's like 85 years old, right? 85 years old. He left Haran when he was 75. So I'm just doing some basic math here. I'm thankful for the tens, all right? So Abram dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan, and, and then... What, what, what's Sarai do? She gives her handmaid to Abram, verse 3, to be his wife. Was that God's plan? Absolutely not. And here's a key thought. The most dangerous dreams we dream are the ones that are outside of God's loving plan. There are moments, there will be moments, and there are moments in all of our lives no matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter how hard you're trying, there will come a moment where we want to take matters into our own hands. Where we, have to, where we say, well, maybe God meant, or maybe I could just, listen, I'm not the only one that says those things. We all do. And so it's a really good reminder through Genesis 16 to, to just know that God doesn't need our little workarounds and our little scheming to get his dream done for our life. He doesn't need our, our help. He can do it in and of himself. In fact, Abraham even pushed this. 
Later on in chapter 17, I put it in your notes, he said, I mean, could we just allow Ishmael to be the promised one? I mean, God, can you just work Ishmael into his plan? And God's like, listen, I love Ishmael. I'm going to bless Ishmael, but he's not my original plan. My original plan is to do a miracle through you to, 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 to fulfill the dream that I've placed in your heart. And so Sarai gives Hagar, but she doesn't give Hagar to, to Abraham. And I never studied this out until, I, until this last few weeks. She doesn't give Hagar to Abraham because she loves Abraham. No, no, no. She gave Hagar to Abraham because she loathed herself. She, she was so self-centered that she was trying to fix herself by giving Hagar to Abraham. I mean, you can read it. And I, I want to tell you something. After, after thousands of hours, I think I've logged 15,000 hours in counseling. And after thousands of hours of counseling, I will tell you one thing that I've learned. Through the, through the Holy Spirit and through the Bible, that hurting people will always lash out and hurt other people in order to try to find healing somehow on their own. And so it's that, it's that I feel so disappointed and I feel so wronged that I'll put a wrong on someone else. And so here's what happened. They had a relationship, and then what happened? The relationship was hindered between God. The relationship was hindered between uh, Hagar and Sarai. You can read that in verse 4. The relationship was hindered between, uh, b- between Abraham and Sarah, of course. And so the self-centered, self-driven dream, it seems right at first. It will always seem right at first. But it will always bring more trouble than good. So self-love, it misuses people in order to push for progress. But what else does it do that we just saw? Letter B, self-love blames others in order to explain away the pain. It shifts the blame. It doesn't doesn't contextualize your circumstances and your hardship the way that God wants us to through his promises, which we'll see. It doesn't doesn't look at the truth and say, okay, I'm going to wrap my feelings around the truth. No, no, no. What does it do? It tries to wrap the truth around our feelings, right? It tries to say, this is how I feel And so this is what my reality is. And here's what happens. Uh, In in chapter 16, back in chapter 16, in verse number two, it says this. Behold now, this is is Sarai speaking to Abraham, but really she's, she's actually, she should be saying this to God, but she's saying it to her husband. The Lord hath restrained me from bearing. The Lord's restrained me. Now listen carefully. And note this next statement. Never mistake God's preparation as God's condemnation. You you can never take a time where God's preparing you and God's growing you and and God's trying to lovingly help you out of something or into something. You can't ever take that as something that God is ill will because a delay in the dream does not necessarily mean that God has failed to be good. In fact, it doesn't. It might just mean that we're not ready for God to bring this dream into reality yet. It might mean that we're still in a moment of preparation, that God's still working. And the last part of verse 2 is this. She says, I pray thee, go into my handmaid. I pray thee. She's begging, listen to this, she's begging Abraham to be unfaithful because she feels God has been unfaithful to her. 
So she's begging Abraham to be unfaithful because she feels like God has completely wronged her. Now listen, we have to be raw and real about this because we all will come to a point where we feel like God has been unfaithful to us. God, I prayed and you didn't show up, or at least it didn't look like you showed up. God, I needed you, I, I begged you, and, and, and nothing. And I've talked to a lot of people, even young people, who said, I will never trust God, I will never believe in a God who when I was being abused, he didn't show up. When I was, when I was right there in a vulnerable position and he didn't take care of me. Why, God? Why? And she was in this moment. And I want to remind you, and here's a key thought, that when we begin to doubt God's goodness, it will always lead us to begin to doubt God's word as well. By the way, this happened in the garden. Yea, hath God said? Like, like really? Start, you know, that's what happened. Abraham and, and, and Sarah uh, really are, are just kind of a repeat of, of what happened in the garden. And you can go back, and there's lots of different examples. I don't have time, but there's so many parallels. In fact, I found 14 different parallels between uh, Adam and Eve and Abraham and Sarai. But, but, but here, here we have Satan planting a thought, like, is God really good? I mean, why can't you have all the trees? I mean, why haven't you had a son now? I mean, come on, you're pushing 80, Sarah. How long are you going to have to wait? And so Abram, verse 2, hearkened in the voice of his wife. He really thought that sleeping with his wife's handmaid was going to fix his marriage. That didn't happen, okay? That, that wasn't going to happen. And so in verse 5, she then starts to blame even more. So first she blames God, but look at this. I'd never seen this before. Look at verse number 5 in chapter 16. She starts blaming Abram. My wrong be upon thee, she says to him. I've given my handmaid in thy bosom, but the Lord judge between me and thee. Who's really wrong? I suggested it, but you're the one that did it. Whoa, okay, Sarah. <laughs> I mean, she's coming out, and you can just tell she's hurting. She's hurting, but it's a self-driven dream. And self-driven dreams, they will, they will start to look like a shortcut but always cause more pain, more trauma, more problems when it's all said and done. But when we trust that God's doing something that's bigger than us, when we trust that God's at work, and that something's going on, we don't know what it is, but we're just going to trust him, God will put us in a moment that we can use for others. Let me give you a great example of that. Nathan Bain, I'd never heard his name until last year when, uh, when University of Austin, Austin State University, I think it is, Stephen F. Austin State University in Austin, Texas, they were an unranked, unknown team. that They were playing a non-conference game in, uh, at Duke. So here they are. They're taking on the number one team, the number one division team in all of, of NCAA, and this happened last year. Look at this. Duke can hold. Where the Lumberjacks had it, they just couldn't secure it. Loose! Kinsmill's got it! They've got a timeout, they don't use it! Bain! Yes! The Lumberjacks have done it! The Lumberjacks apparently have done it! They'll look a little longer, but this is going to be the biggest win in program history! But this is Bain, he's looking up at the 
Is the ball out of his hand when that clock goes to zero? Oh my goodness, yes. it is. Nathan Bain, this is your life. Wow. So 40 different interviews later, his life had completely changed from, from last year this time to, to this year. And they are still raising money because in every single interview, he, he felt led to talk about his home church. See, last year, around that same time as when that shot was taken, uh, you'll remember hurricane, a hurricane, a level five hurricane was sweeping through the Bahamas where Nathan Bain is from. And it literally decimated the, the Bahamas. And Tabernacle Baptist Church in Freeport, Bahamas, was totally decimated, and all of his family's house was completely gutted and completely destroyed. And so instead of taking that moment of fame and basking in the fact that he made a layup, he just decided to ask for help. Do you know, to date, they've raised over a quarter of a million dollars and have built 20 houses, a new church, and a Bible college from that one shot? You see, he had a dream to play Division I basketball. And that dream led to the reality of, of him putting up that shot and, and, and beating the number one seeded team in the nation. But he didn't use that dream for himself. He realized there's something bigger than me. And God used him and God is using him in a great way. My point is to say this. If we'll take our God-given dreams and use them for others, we will be the beneficiaries of what God will do. And so our big dream has to be love-driven. Otherwise, it'll collapse uh, in, in, in weight of our self-centeredness. So, so that's a self-love. Self-love, it distorts a God-given dream. But number two, God's love creates love-driven dreams. It's the love of God that creates. You see, we love God because he first loved us. It's the love of God that does that. So, so let's look at three ways that this love creates these love-driven dreams. Number one, love, or letter A, love-driven dreams redefine what's normal. Okay, now we're going to skip to chapter 17. We've been in chapter 16. Let's go to chapter 17. And in verse number three, Abraham falls on his face. and he's, so, he, so he's in worship. He's depending on God. He's still believing God. But, but look at what happens. He falls on his face, and God recommits to him. Hey, listen, you're going to be a father of many nations. And so I'm going to redefine the way you view yourself. I'm going to redefine what's normal for you. And he says in verse number five, and here's the moment that I've been waiting for, because he says, no longer will your name be called Abram, verse five, but the name shall be called Abraham, for you're a father of many nations. See, Abram was an exalted father. Well, wait a second, he's not even a father yet. Yeah, he is. He's got Ishmael. He, he's got, you know, lots of people, over 300 in his household. He's an exalted father now. But no, 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 no. God said, I'm going to make you an exalted father of many nations, but one nation in particular, the nation of Israel. And, and so God redefines how Abraham views himself. And God desires Abraham to view himself through this new perspective of who he's becoming, not just what he's lacking. You see, our God-given dreams, they're not just supposed to pump us up to write down goals. Our God-given dreams are to redefine what we think is normal. 
See, if we're going to start living or believing God-sized dreams, we need to start living God-focused lives. And so here's a key thought. We must begin living in line with how we've been dreaming. Let me ask you, did last week change because of a dream that you wrote down? Did something change in your life? You see, God wants to redefine what is normal. And he didn't just redefine what was normal and how, how Abraham defined himself because of his dream but he also redefined Sarah. Now, we've been a little hard on Sarah, so I'm just gonna double down and then I'll, and then I'll show you what I mean. But I, 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 I think it's awesome how God just kind of steps back in chapter 17 and says, okay, that's your new name. Now let's talk about Sarah. Sarah, what do you mean? And he said, I, I, I know how she's been. She's been a little difficult, okay? But, but, but look at verse 15. As for Sarah, thy wife... Thou shalt call her name no longer Sarai. Thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be. I will bless her, verse 16. I will give her a son also of her. Yeah, I will bless her. She shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. You see what he's trying to do? He's not just trying to change his perspective of himself. He's trying to change his perspective of his wife. Now, husbands, future husbands, Okay, I want you to get this. Sarai means one that strives, a contentious and angry person. <laughs> I, I'm, just, I'm just reading what, what, I'm, what I'm studied, okay? So, so I don't know how contentious, I don't know how angry, I'm not trying, I mean, Sarah's listening, so I'm, I'm trying to tread lightly here, okay? But listen, Sarah, that's Sarai. Sarah means princess, a mother of nations. So God's literally saying, hey, listen, I know how she can be sometimes. I want you to call her princess anyway. I just want you to speak love over her. I just want you to speak grace over her. And, 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 and God's wanting us to, to, to believe him enough to live like our dreams are coming true, to live according to our identity. Listen, I'm not, I'm not who I used to be. I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ. I have a new name that's written down in heaven forever. I'm gonna start to look at those around me with a different perspective. Why? Because I'm dreaming big. And until my dreams are reality, I'm just gonna live like it's coming. And so here's an action item. Begin to describe in detail the new you. Because of the dream that God has result that, that God's bringing to pass in you. Write that down, man. Describe the new you. Who's the new you that God's making? Not who you are, but who you're becoming. See, we are supposed to be love-driven, and love-driven says, hey, I love you, I accept you, but I don't want you to stay how you are. I want to change you to become who I want you to be. Isn't that so good? Man, that's so helpful to me. And, and here's why. Letter B, love-driven dreams cause us to enjoy the journey. You know why we don't enjoy the journey? We don't enjoy the journey because we don't know where we're going. We don't enjoy the journey because we feel like it's taking too long. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? We don't enjoy the journey because we, we think God has gypped us out of something, that something's not fair, that someone wronged me, that something, hey, let's take our eyes off of all that and start putting our eyes on what God has done. You know what I'm thankful for? That, that blessings board outside, and I hope everyone will put a blessing on there because we have a lot to be thankful for in 2020, and I'm done cursing 2020 and acting like every horrible thing's gonna happen because there's a lot of good things that have happened, and I choose to focus on what God is doing, not just what has happened in the past. And so in verse number 17, I want, to, I want you to notice something. This is so helpful to me. 
Abraham falls on his face. Again, that's important because he's trusting God, worshiping in his presence, humbled, surrendered. He's on his face. And what's he doing? He's laughing. Falls on his face, verse 17, 17, 17. Falls on his face and laughed and said in his heart, man, how, how am I? I'm like 100 years old. Now he's not 100, okay? He's 99. But, but, but he's like, I'm 100 years old. And, and Sarah's not, you know, a spring chicken either. I mean, she's like 90. So, so how's that going to work, God? I mean, but but it's, it's just this, wow, this is crazy. This is actually happening. And, and you know what? Just, it, it just dawned on me that God-sized dreams, they're scary. And sometimes they're daunting, and they're always going to humble you. But they should excite you. It should be something where you're just like laughing to yourself like, wow. Okay, wow, this is crazy. Listen, I mean, there's some weeks. This last week was a crazy week. But it's like, wow, okay, God, what, what do you have next week? You know, like, like, we're ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Buckled in. Locked and loaded. You know, like, let's do it. And Abraham laughs. Now, Sarah would soon laugh. But God always gets the last laugh. Look at, look at verse number 19. And so God said, yeah, Sarah, thy wife, she's going to bear thee a son indeed. Thou shalt call his name Isaac. You know what Isaac means? Laughter. Laughter. God says, yeah, yeah, I see your laughter. And I'm glad you're enjoying the journey now. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you're starting to enjoy this, this walk of faith. I'm glad you're, in, you're all in, Isaac, uh, with, with, with uh, coming Isaac, because he, he's going to bring you much laughter, and it's going to be laughter because of what I've done. It's going to be laughter because of everything that's happened uh, it, it, up until this point. And listen, you might be walking through a trial, and I'm not saying you have to be fake and, 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 and you know, put on a fake smile. No, that's not what I'm talking about at all. But I am talking about what David talked about in Psalm 30 in verse 5 he said weeping may endure for a night but joy comes in the morning and you might have tears of joy you might have have sorrow and you might have a trial that you're walking through but my friend it doesn't have to steal your joy I don't care what happens around me I don't care what happens uh, as a result of, of, of the government or as a result of a pandemic I'm going to choose to get one source of joy and that's the Holy Spirit the fruit of the Spirit is still joy and so that's why David said in Psalm 51, 12, restore to me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with my spirit, free spirit. Uh, David said in, in Psalm 16, 11, it's in your notes, thou shalt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand is pleasure forevermore. And so, man, man, God's showing here that you can enjoy the journey. Now, but something happened right after he laughed. He was laughing for joy. Sarah laughed for a different purpose. Sarah laughed for a different reason. Look at chapter 18. Let's skip over to chapter 18. Chapter 18, God shows up, and this is one of the parallels of, of Adam and Eve. He says, where's Sarah? Now, he, you know God knows where Sarah's at, right? But in chapter 18, verse 9, he says, where's Sarah? And, and Abraham's like, oh, oh, in the tent. Abraham, that was a rhetorical question, but thanks for you know, answering. Thanks for answering, God, where is she? He knows. And he knows, she knows, where that he knows. You get that? Okay. So verse 10, this is for Sarah. Has someone ever been talking to you, but they're really trying to say something to someone else? Has that ever happened to me? Okay, that's happened to me. It's like, okay, why don't you just talk directly to them, okay? Um, sometimes family, you know, it's just a little, little uh, passive aggressive there. Um, just talk directly. Say what you need to say. 
this is what God, God just is speaking right directly to, to Sarah, right through Abraham. But they all know what's going on. Certainly I will return. This time, and, and I love this as far as like the sanctity of life. What a beautiful verse, verse 10. According to the time of life. The moment she conceives, God calls it a life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door. And, and verse 11, she's realizing, man, she's really old. And she, things aren't working like they used to. And verse 12, she laughed within herself. And God calls her out on it. How come he didn't call out Abraham? Abraham's laughter was for joy. He was trusting God, but he's like, wow, this is awesome. She's like, really? you got to be kidding me. It's, it's kind of making her a little bit angry. She laughs, and, and, and now God says, why did you laugh? Why did you laugh? You see, when the dream starts to become a reality, it's not my job to test its validity. It's just my job just to trust God's ability and say, God, listen, you're doing something in my life, and it's my job to say, God, I'm a little fearful. See, Charles Spurgeon said there's no greater coward in this world than a man who will not acknowledge that he is afraid. And if we're not willing to say, God, I'm a little afraid, I'm a little bit confused, I'm just not sure, if we're not willing to confront our fears, we'll never get beyond them to live the God-given dreams that we've been given. And that's why 1 John 4 says there's no fear in love. Perfect love casteth out all fear. The fear of torment, uh, but he that feareth is not made of perfect love. We love him because he first loved us. So here's an action item. Be open with God. With, with the areas that you've tried to pursue, and, and you've been left wanting. You've been left empty. And ask him to fill you. Do you know why we just simply don't feel fulfilled? Do you know why we're not enjoying the journey? It's because we're seeking all of the wrong places to fulfill our joy. We're seeking all the wrong things. We, we're trying to get joy out of people. We're trying to get joy out of experiences. And you can get happiness out of those things, but there's one source of joy, and it's the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's the Word of God. And so uh, it's a love-driven dream that enjoys the journey. You, you're seeking God. And so finally, and we're finished, love-driven dreams motivate us. They motivate us to believe God's promises. Man, that's the greatest motivation is a love-driven dream. I want you to notice something, and, and this is the last passage we'll read in chapter 18. I want you to notice this. Abraham, up until this point, has asked God several questions. Now God has a question for them. Sarai, Sarah, she's asked God several questions. Now God has a question for them. What is it? Verse number four. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I want to ask you that today. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for, for whatever your God-sized dream is? is? Is anything too big? Is there anything that's too much for God to handle? Do we ever live like there's too much for God to handle? Do we ever live like, oh, yeah, I mean, I know, but really, let's just, make, let's just get realistic. Okay, I have a question for you. What's realistic? Like, God brought the curse of age upon them. And again, this goes back to Adam and Eve, which is really interesting. But God brought the curse of age, and God imposes physical limits on childbirth. How many of you know God can reverse the curse? How many of you know God can, God can toss out whatever uh, limitations, whatever restrictions we think he has? We cannot put 
God in a box. And if you miss anything in this series, I want you to get this. Do not miss this. There is nothing too hard for God. And when we start to dream a God-sized dream, when we start to identify that there's nothing too hard for him, then we can, really, we are only bound by our imagination. And that's why we read last week Ephesians 3 and verse 20, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly what we could ask or think. No matter what your imagination is, no matter what you're, you're dreaming about, God is able. And if it's for his glory and for his good, we cannot put God in a box. And so I, I want to close with this. And I want you to write down this action item because I believe this will be a help. But write, write down this. Identify what areas of your life You've been living in a short-sighted perspective and ask God to grow your faith. Where, where have you been living? How have you been living like God just can't? Like God, or God won't. God doesn't want to. I mean, God can't use me. He can use someone else, but he can't use me. I don't know about you, but every once in a while, uh, you know, I'll get online and, and I'll see, you know, something and, and I ordered the wrong thing online. I, I wanted to order a uh, one of those you know, monoculars, uh, I, I got a scope instead. Um, but, but I, um, but it's interesting to me that um, online, there are these things. This is what I was hoping to get, okay? You put them, I guess, on your phone and you can see really far and you can take like really cool pictures of, I don't know, people if you're creepy or, uh, you know, elk, like, like on here or, or nature, um, and I just, I, I just kept thinking about this over and over again. And I've wanted to use this the last couple of weeks, but I, I just thought, you know, these things are only good if you're not bound to a small space. And, and, and there's many times where we, where we say, I'm going to dream really big inside this box. But, but God, if you do it, you're, you're going to have to do it inside this box of my abilities, inside this box of my expectations, inside this box of my resources. And God's saying, no, 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 hold on, hold on. You can't put me in a little box. I want you to take your perspective, and I want you to start dreaming outside the box, and I want you to start looking elsewhere to say, God, what are you wanting me to to do that is so much bigger than myself. I, 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 I could never imagine. I could never think. And so our perspective has to get outside the box. So here's a key thought as we close, and that is dreaming big is not just an opportunity to see God work. It is, but it is a necessity in order to see God work. You have to be dreaming big in order to see God show up in your life. And so here's the takeaway today, and that is this. That God's loving promises, which we'll talk about all ne next week, the promise that he was giving to Abraham and the promises he gives to you, God's loving promises must be our driving motivation for pursuing our God-given dreams and, and our God-sized dreams. We must allow the love of who we are, the love that Christ says of who we are, his love for us to define us, his love for us to, to help us, his love to, for us to give us grace, to lead us, to, to allow us to be motivated to reach out for our God-given dreams. Don't sell yourself short with such a short perspective. I'll never be able to do it. I'll, I'll never see God work like someone else. Listen, 
Your future is as bright as the promises of God. And so Abraham said to himself, man, look at what God's doing. And Sarah said, look at what God's doing. See the perspective? I don't know what God's doing in your life, but I can guarantee you this, that if it's driven by a love for God and a love for others, nothing can stop in your way. Nothing is impossible. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Find New Life. Have an amazing day.